Maybe seated. I'm going to have you, if you would, just close your eyes and if you'll participate with me this morning in this. I'm going to read a passage of scripture and I just want us for just a few moments to really do what we can to envision this passage, to uh, try to imagine what was seen here in this passage in Isaiah chapter 6 God gave Isaiah a vision and he allowed him to see something and I want us just for a moment as we get into the sermon this morning to think of this as kind of a backdrop as kind of a a launch point for the sermon this morning of surrender that we would see this in Isaiah chapter 6 it says this in the year that King Uzziah died I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple above it stood the seraphims each one had six wings with twain he covered his face with twain he covered his feet and with twain he did fly and one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And then Isaiah said this, Woe is me, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. I just want us to stop for just a minute today. And in our finite minds, imagine what Isaiah may have seen as God the Lord high and lifted up, exalted above the temple and His train filling the temple, the, the wings covering the face of God and the, the feet of God and allowing them to fly. He hears them crying out, holy, holy, holy. The earth is full of His glory. Think about it. He sees the doorposts moving and shaking at the voice he sees the house filled with smoke. And this morning, I just want us to think about some of that image as we get into the passage. Father, I come to you today. And Lord, I, I can't fully imagine, I can't fully comprehend what that sought or that sight was what the, the thoughts that were going through Isaiah's mind. I, I can't even begin to comprehend some of those things. But God, I pray that you would allow us to see you, God, for exactly who you are. God, that in that moment, Isaiah sees all of that glory, and then he says, but woe is me. God, may we see that today. May we, because of that image, understand and surrender our lives to you because of what you have allowed us to see and what you've showed us. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So this morning we 
continue in on our series, I Choose a Disciplined Life, looking at really a a life of self-control, a life of giving ourselves to God, and and today is fear that leads to surrender. And so if you were with us last week, we talked about that fear, that we would have a, a awe of God, a true fear of God, a true understanding of who God is. And this morning, I, I, I want to come to us and I want us to, to think about this passage of scripture in Isaiah for just a minute as it really is a launch point moving into uh, a passage in Proverbs that we will spend some time in towards the uh, middle end of the sermon here. But Isaiah, if you think about it, and maybe I'm just different than you, but Isaiah was kind of called out as special, Yeah. I mean, I would say that's pretty special to be able to see what God allowed him to see. But one of the things that I think I experience in my life is sometimes God would show me something. God would allow me to be a part of something. And what do we do? Man, I'm all right. Look what God allowed me to see. Look, God must have thought something special about me. I am, I'm doing okay, but what do we see here? We know the passage of scripture, many of you know it, many of you read it along with me. Isaiah sees all of those things, and in verse number five it says, Then said I, I've witnessed all of this. I see God sitting upon a throne. I see the train that's filling the temple. I see all of those things. And then I say, woe is me, for I am undone. I am undone. I am a gone man. I shall surely die, if you will. I am silenced. I am struck as dumb, struck as dead, is what Daniel said when he heard the words of the angel. He became dumb with no strength. He had no breath of life left in him. And Isaiah says, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. Now, we don't know exactly why he made the statement, I have a man of unclean lips. I mean, you think of it, I am just an unclean man. I am full of just filth and full of sin and full of all, full of, all of these things. But he says, I am a man of unclean lips. It may have been that he knew or that God was calling him to be this prophet and he was going to use his mouth to speak. And so maybe in that It was just an understanding of my lips are really, I am unclean, but it's God's strength. It may have been the thought of even, I'm not even worthy to say the name of God, to say holy, 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 but yet, God, you are. We don't know for sure why he would make the statement of unclean lips, but we do know this, that he was in the sight of a holy God. He was in the sight of pure righteousness. He was in the sight of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He was a glory in the sight of a, uh, just a majestic sight. We looked at it last week in Exodus 33. To see upon, to look upon the face of God was what is to, that one would die. If we saw that glory, if we saw that perfection, one would die. Say, I love this statement. We are undone if there be not a mediator between us and a holy God. Isaiah recognized maybe more than most sin deserves punishment. And Isaiah was standing before a holy, almighty, perfect God and his own sin became very, very clear before him. See, oftentimes in my life, I don't, I say this often, I don't know about you, but I can only speak for me. I, I would, it would probably not be a very comfortable day if you walked into the room and all of your sin was exposed. It, it probably wouldn't be a very comfortable moment for any of us. If you were to, if I were to stand before you and you literally could just 
it just scrolled upon my body all of what I did yesterday. Like a, a tracker. It just, these are the thoughts that you had that were wrong. These are the things that you looked at. These are the actions that you took. These are this, whatever it would. The exposure of that sin is really kind of gnarly to stop and think about. That's, it's disgusting. That's just talking one day. I mean, shoot, we could talk just in the last couple hours. The thoughts that may have came through our minds or whatever it would be. But yet alone, all of our life stands before you and God and the exposure of that sin is so real and vivid. See, it's no longer my sin is okay because I look better than neighbor. See, in our world that we live today, we can look at it and we go, I'm okay. We look at our sin and we think that we are okay. Why? Because I'm doing better than them. Well, my sin isn't as bad as their sin. I'm okay and compared to my neighbor I'm, I'm even okay next to the guy in front of me right here at church. I know that guy over there. He's battling with this and this. I'm all right. I even heard him say something in the hallway that probably wasn't very good. I mean, shoot, the pastor just said stupid on TV. <laughs> I'm doing all right. But see, in this, in this realm, in the face of God... All of that's now right in front of us, and Isaiah says, whoa. And it wasn't like for you and I, we, I don't, there's really no way we can do this, but literally, I don't know what woe is me looks like, but I imagine that woe is me is probably not just like, whoa, like, you know, it's not Macaulay Culkin, oh, like we're not, no, we're, it's rough. But he vividly sees his sin. And he recognizes his uncleanliness, his wickedness before God. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, Isaiah wrote it this way. But we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousness is as filthy rags. (laughs) Think about that. What you and I think is good and righteous before God and that perfection, it says, is as a filthy rag. This is what Isaiah is experiencing. This is what he is seeing when he stands and he looks at God and he's like, oh, this is amazing. Look at all of those things. And it's just like, oh, but look, God, I am so unclean and unworthy to see this. I, I want to lay all these things down, but they're just, it's not even righteous because it, it, it's still done in imperfection. <laughs> I said this in the first service, is the things that I do before you as your pastor, I've stood here for now almost eight years speaking nearly every week. And if I were to stop and say, God, here's all of my sermons and all of my righteousness. There you go. (laughs) Look at how good I was. It says it was as a filthy rag. It's as taking the rag and wiping off the lepers and wiping off the filth from the pus and the, the disgusting things that would come off of that and it would lay it. That's what it's like. Why? Because in my flesh, even me speaking at times is not right. Just stop and think about that. (laughs) Because there's been moments where I've grabbed the microphone and I've sung. And it's been good to sing a song that's about Jesus. But really, I'm just singing so that you know how good that I am. I'm preaching a sermon that God has laid on my heart, but my heart is not right because it's been a really, really horrible week or two weeks or three weeks, and I'm just standing up here really because I just have a job that is supposed to give you a sermon on Sunday. You're like, uh, I need to find a new church. Guess what? That guy did it too. Why? Because my righteousness is still done in my flesh. And God said, or Isaiah is making this statement. See, the reality is for all of us, and this kind of stinks, but 
God's desire is to reveal our sin so that we would see his grace and mercy and his love and his righteousness before us so that we would go, woe is me, I am undone, I need you. The Ten Commandments are what? The Ten Commandments are so that we would see our own worth that's not worth much. Hey, how are you doing in your Ten Commandments? Let's keep a track. O for 10. Pretty good, right? <laughs> we don't do well. We don't do well. Why? Because it's pointed. It's, it's intention. Law's intention is to show us our need of a Savior. We walked through that in Galatians for a long time. Just not long ago. God desires to show us and to reveal that sin so that we would see his love, see his grace, see his mercy. And we see that here in just a moment. In verse number six, what does it say? Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth. And what does it say? Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and what does it say? Thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. Wait. He just, he's standing before God and he, he's experiencing all these things and he's saying, woe is me. I am undone. I am unclean. Look at God, but you see all of this stuff. But he takes that and he takes the coal and he says, there it is. And he places it and it says that that iniquity was taken away. The fire of God's holiness didn't destroy Isaiah, rather it healed him. That blood-soaked coal that had been burnt out on on a substitute, a fire of judgment for his sin was burned out. The lamb had been ruined in his place. We see that in Isaiah 53, right? But he was wounded For our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus was the lamb. Listen, our sin is horrible. It's horrible. I'm not saying this today so that you beat yourself up because here's the other side of that is God's grace is amazing. And yes, I fail, but God's grace picks me up. But here's the thought. When I surrender myself to God because I'm looking at God as a God that is perfect, as a God that is holy and is righteous, I strive to surrender daily to him so that I recognize and I live in that grace of God that I can have the joy and the peace that comes with all of that if we cover our sin God will expose it in judgment if we rely on our strength God will abandon us to weakness if we boast in our wisdom God will leave us in darkness if we expose our sin to Jesus and all of its ugliness he will cover it with his extravagant grace If we confess our weakness, he will fill us with his strength. If we admit our foolishness, he will pour out his wisdom upon us. If we allow ourselves to be undone in his presence, he will piece us together in his love. This is surrender of the heart to an almighty God. Isaiah left that moment a changed man. I would say to you today, if you have never come face to face with God, I challenge you, I encourage you, I implore you that you would reach out to God. But I promise you this, if you come face to face with God, you will never be the same. Isaiah was never the same. Neither should you or I be the same. Because even if you reject him, you will always have been given that opportunity. And therefore, I can never say, well, I didn't know. But God gave me that chance. God gave me that opportunity. So I wonder this morning as we come into this passage and for the next few moments, if we would, with this launch pad, if you will, in Isaiah chapter 6, of seeing God, 
high and exalted, of seeing that train, of trying to picture and imagine what that may look like. Look at our thoughts, look at our lives in the sense of surrender. See, God's Word tells us that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I ask this morning, I wonder... I wonder if we would surrender on our own before we don't even have an option. If we would say, God, I, you're tugging on my heart. The Holy Spirit is moving in you. The Holy Spirit is, is doing that. And we would say, God, here I am. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to do anymore. I have to bow before you. Because I'm looking at you and I'm, that, bright is, that light is bright. I am looking <laughs> and I'm seeing your holiness and I am, I'm bowing before you. Or you will say, no, God, I see all that, but I'm all right. I'm going to do my own thing for right now. And I will promise you, God's word says, every one of us will bow before him. There will come a time, if you tell him no today, that you will say yes one day. But it will be too late also. Because yes, we will say, yes, God, you are Lord. But he will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. So this morning, would we surrender our lives to him out of an understanding out of not even an understanding because that's the wrong word but out of looking at and saying God I I may not fully understand but I recognize my filth in comparison to your perfection and your righteousness so we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 3 and in Proverbs chapter 3 we have Solomon who is crying out to his son or teaching his son, speaking to his son to forget not his law. And we're going to talk for the next few minutes just about the importance really of God's word. But I, I really felt that as we've talked about last week, as we talk about this week, that thought of fear, that thought of reverence, that thought of truly seeing God for who God is, if we look at that image and then we come back and we get into this Having that as my, my backdrop, if you will, of the, the perfection of God, the holiness of God, and then coming to God's word and going, am I really surrendered to it? Am I really, maybe I have forgotten because I've just kind of done my own thing for a while. And so we come back to that thought here this morning. So again, I'll, I'll make this statement as I stated last week within this series. Living in the fear of God empowers us to choose purpose, which we talked about last week, and surrender to the Lord, which causes us to live a disciplined life, leaving a godly legacy. Father, I just ask that you would meet with us over these next few minutes as we dive into your word. Lord, use your word to challenge us, Help us to be drawn closer to you, for it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. My first thought is this, surrender leads to obedience. Surrender leads to obedience. If we look at Proverbs chapter 3, it says this in verses 1 and 2, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. See, Isaiah uh, was brought to this place, and then we, we recognize in Isaiah chapter, or verse number eight, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And what did he say? Here I am, send me. Isaiah was willing to be obedient, even though he didn't fully understand what obedience was. He didn't know what all was about to take place, but he recognized where he was. And when God said, hey, who's going to go do this? He said, well, uh, I'll go. That I'll go was a step of obedience, was an action step of obedience, but it was also an obedience that eventually led to Isaiah's death. See, the uh, historians, I guess, would say, and, and the Jewish historians would say that Isaiah was literally put into a log and sawed in two, and that's how Isaiah died. See, Isaiah didn't go before the church and was like, hey guys, just want you to know that God loves you. Here's what the scroll says. God loves you. 
Go read Isaiah, I challenge you. That's really not what was going on. He came before the children of Israel and he had some pretty unkind things to say. We're all pretty bad people and we need Jesus. Like in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> we're, we're horrible people and God, we need God. We need to go back to God and it wasn't necessarily just this happy teaching. And so he was obedient and we come to this place of surrender leading to obedience and, and we look at Proverbs chapter 3. In Proverbs chapter 3, Solomon says, like all of us as parents would say, I, I believe, son, daughter, children, forget not my law, forget not the word of God, but let thine heart keep my commandments. I would say to my four children, kids, please don't ever forget the word of God, and I plead and I pray that God would, that God's heart, that it says in, in verse one, that and thine heart keep my commandments, but let thine heart keep my commandments. I'm pleading with you that you would know God's word and that God's word would just be stored up in your heart forever. I I pray that my children would do that as Solomon was doing the same thing to his son. That God's commands are what drive and push you. I pray for my children that God's commands are what drive and push them as they grow older in life, that they would know God's word, that they would desire to love God's word, that they wouldn't forget it, but because it's now in their heart that it would drive them. The older that I get, the more and more that I realize the need to go back here for this to be the guide and not for me to do it on my own. There was so many times still, not, I'm not too old, I don't think, unless it's your daughter telling me I'm 70 for all of camp. But I'm, I'm, I'm not old, but I do know this much. The older that I do get, the more that I realize how much I don't know and how much I need to be desperate to God. And we see this And that's the prayer, that the commands would drive us, that the commands of God's word, that we would keep God's word, and those commands would be the ones that are pushing us to be obedient, that they are pushing us and leading us and guiding us into righteousness. Proverbs chapter 4 says it this way in verse number 5, get wisdom, get understanding, and what does it say? Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and 23. Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you. And then what does it say? And make you a graven image or the likeness. Don't forget. I don't know about you, but I tend to get busy and I forget. I forget. Sometimes I forget to do the things that I know that I'm supposed to do. I am too busy. I am too this. I am too that. Things are going good. So I just kind of skirt along and I do what I want to do. And I just kind of forget the commandments. I forget those things. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, hey, God's good. Just kind of gets, you ever get smacked in the head by God? Thank you, Annette. Thank you. It's not good, typically. Usually it's something where every, you're like, everything's all right. And then, bam, and you're like, what just happened? God, everything was all right. You know what? Some of that, it's not necessarily that you were deep in sin, but it's just God saying, hey, just a reminder, don't forget. See, I get busy. I get caught up in the one time. Have you ever gotten caught up in that? Uh, remember that, that one time I made a decision for God? I do. I get caught up in the remembering of, oh, I remember when I was a child, I said yes to God. Is that not enough? When I was uh, 18 years old, I surrendered my life to Jesus to go into full-time ministry. Was that not enough? 
When I was 21, I was in college. I was sitting in the last row and the preacher was preaching and I was just broken and I ran down to the stage and amongst all the thousands of people and I was broken. Was that not enough? See, I get caught up in the, the one time I made a decision. God says, no, surrender daily. I die daily before you, God. You can have it every day, every moment of every day. That's this surrender of daily surrendering to God that would lead us into obedience, allowing God's word to guide us. Obedience. To God's word isn't having said the most verses in Awana. Even though I'm for having said the most verses in Awana, I think it's great. I love our Awana program. But listen, here's the problem sometimes with me is that I memorize the word and I have God's word hidden in my head. Thou, therefore, I will be obedient in the church of God. But it's not I have God's word hidden in my heart. Therefore, I might not sin against God. Do we, do we follow? Sometimes it's hidden here so I can get my want a buck so that I look all right, but it's not hidden here. This passage of scripture says what? My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. And we'll see it in just a moment where it's written in the, upon the table of our heart. Now listen, I'm not saying... The kids in here are like, sweet, I don't have to go memorize scripture for Awana. No, we understand God's word says what? His word will never return void. And I think as we know God's word, even if we don't go from here to here, it's there in our minds and we'll never forget those things. I believe that with all of my heart. But for me as a kid that grew up in church, that grew up in Awana, that grew up in a lot of these things, I had God's word here, but it wasn't often here. And so therefore I did my own thing because it was a head thing, not a heart thing. Do we, are we with me? I just see people kind of looking at me like, wait, that's backwards and I'm, I'm not, yeah. So obedience to God's word is our actions. And so as we look at this passage, my son, forget not, don't forget it, but let your heart, uh, let thine heart keep my commandments. It, it has to come to that heart. Having a heart that is kept is not only an outward conformity, but a heart that is obedient. It is our heart that is the first to wander away. It is also, it's this obedience that God says leads to a life that is long and peaceful. The peace that comes from being obedient to God is something that nobody can experience. How many of you right now, you can say, maybe you don't need to raise your hand, but in, you, you know this. You know without a shadow of a doubt you are exactly, to the best of where you're at today, you are right where you're supposed to be. There's just something of knowing that. When everybody around you is like, you did what? You moved to Vegas? Las Vegas. Yeah, that's right. Sin City. Seventeen years ago, I looked at my wife and I said, I really think God's calling us to Las Vegas. She said, all right. And we prayed about it and we prayed about it and we prayed about it. I had no idea why God, I, I had never been. When I left my job 14 years ago, I said, I don't, I really don't know what we're going to do, but I just feel that God hasn't moved us from Vegas. And I was miserable. And one day, I got the call, hey, Aaron. I got a job for you. My dream job had opened up Thomas Road Baptist Church to be the junior high youth pastor. And I cried like a baby because that whole last month I was so miserable and I was just unhappy. And I called Mindy. I was working and I called Mindy. I said, babe, you'll never, you'll never know what just happened. Tom just called me and asked me if I would be interested to come back and to try to apply and to, to take this job because he's moving from this and moving up. And I, and I I was bawling. That was on Friday. On Monday, I called Tom and I said, Tom, I just, 
I don't know why I'm saying this, but I can't come. And he said, this is what he, I remember the conversation like it was yesterday. And he said, oh, that's all right, Aaron. And I said, Tom, it's not all right. Because there is nothing in me that loves what I'm doing in Las Vegas. I hated life. I was miserable. But I couldn't leave. I think that there's something too when we truly keep the word of God and we truly strive to be obedient for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. When we stay adhered to God's word, surrendered to God's word, surrendered to be obedient to God, God gives us the peace in the midst of the moment when we don't know why. Why am I in Las Vegas? I was miserable. Surrender to be obedient to him. Surrender leads us to keeping God's promises. Surrender leads us to keeping God's promises as we continue. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and men. Surrender leads us to keeping God's promises. It leads us again to that action, keeping God's love and mercy and truth close. Mercy would be that that we would hold close to our hearts, mercy, charity, being willing and ready to go and do for others and for God when it's called truth, that faithfulness, respecting the, the duties owed to God, if you will, or man of, uh, on, on principles of justice. Do we love others? Do we show for a faithfulness to the Lord? Have we hidden God's word in our heart that we know to live it out because it's out of the abundance of our heart, not just because that's the right thing to do? But I pro and I, I, I don't think I have to say this, but it's, it's obvious when it's real. It's pretty obvious. But you know what? It may not be obvious, but it's obvious in your own heart, and it's miserable. There's nothing worse than walking in the church every Sunday, faking walking into church. I've done it before. The most miserable people on this planet are Christians that will not live as Christians. I truly believe it. Because they know to do right and they choose to do wrong. To them it is called sin. And when you just look at God and be like, well, that's all right today. Because look at all the church people. They think I'm great. Everybody at works just thinks I'm good. But you're miserable inside because you know it. How we, we have got to adhere to these things to this mercy and truth and love and it says how then if we look at that let not mercy and truth forsake thee hey we've got to hold here adhere to mercy and truth don't let it go but how do we do that what does it say bind them about thy neck write them upon the table of thine heart bind them about our neck do you walk around with a necklace that shows the love of god and the mercy of God, and the truth of God in your life? You say, that's kind of weird. No, it shows all over our faces. It's so real and genuine to everybody. When our countenance, our countenance expresses the love of God, I believe that with everything in me. If you love Jesus and you walk into the room, you will show all over yourself that you love Jesus. Because that's the countenance, that's that love and mercy. It's not that we're perfect, but it, it is in us. It's who we are. As we hold dear to that, we show forth that. Do we wear that truth and faithfulness? Have you written it upon your heart? Has God's word been engraved upon our hearts? It says, write them upon the table of thine heart. What does he say in verse one? Forget not my law but let thine heart keep my commandments how is it kept because God is engraving it upon our heart as we seek him in that manner and as we do so it continues on to say what then you will find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man that doesn't mean everything is perfect because everybody now loves you but I do believe that God gives favor to those that have a loving countenance about them, who are walking about, walking in faithfulness to him. Because 
God says so. <laughs> God says so. What did it say in Acts chapter 2 when the church had come together? They had been in fellowship in the house and they had broke bread and they had prayed and they had done all these things. And then after all those things, it says that they would, it would be seen outward, that the others would join daily. Why? Because of the unity, because of the love, because of the things that they were doing and showing. It was pouring out of them. Listen, People want to be around people that are lovely and kind and gentle and merciful and faithful and all of these things. People want to. I want to be around those kind of people. So does everybody else. I believe in some ways I have had favor where I go to my coffee shop simply because I've tried to show love and grace and mercy to people. And I've had an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with them. Many of you have those places too at your workplace. You have showed love, therefore, at one point somebody said, hey, can you pray for me about this? Oh, absolutely. You had favor with them because you showed love and mercy. Why? Because the word of God was engraved upon your heart and you lived a life that was just faithful every day wherever it was that you went. Lastly, this morning, surrender leads to trust in the Lord. Surrender leads us to trust in the Lord. I think this is a passage of scripture we often throw out there. But trusting in the Lord doesn't happen if we don't adhere to God's word and it's not written upon our heart, it's not engraved upon our heart. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths having a right view of God enables me to have a desire of surrender before him because I see how small that I am when I see how large God is and how little I am I kind of go eh, all right maybe I'm not that cool have you ever been the big dog in a room anybody you can be, no one's willing to say this. Has anybody ever felt like, oh, I'm the big dog? Maybe you are like, you're the seventh grader going into eighth grade and you're the eighth grader in junior high or you're the senior in junior or in high school, right? You're the big dog on campus. Has anybody ever experienced this but me? Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you don't ever experience it, you just raise your hand. I appreciate that also. But almost everybody in here at some time or another felt like they were the big dog, they were the alpha dog, and it was really awesome. You know what also? Have you ever been taken off that alpha dog thing and you're like, oh man, I'm just going to stay back here for a little while. I have, I have, that's kind of God's hello to Isaiah. <laughs> hey Isaiah. Why don't you see this? Whoa, whoa. I'm just going back up here. Because God, you are that. And he recognized how small that he was. And it's not that we, we just recognize our sinfulness and his righteousness. Our need of him. See, when I experience these things, when I look at this surrender leading to trust, Trusting in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not on thine own understanding. Trust typically happens when what? We know somebody. Trust typically happens because we have built a relationship and the longer that I know you, the more that I trust you and the longer that I know you, the more that I trust you and the more that I'm willing to lay it all out there for you. Many of you are in relationships of marriage and things. Listen, the day one that you got married, I, I hope that you trusted each other. I hope so. But I can prom. I would like to say that I promise you this though. Today, 5, 10, 20 30, however many years later, that trust has grown a lot. 
I've been married for 18 years to an amazing woman, and I promise you what I thought of Mindy 18 years ago and what I think of Mindy today is night and day different. Why? Because I know her, I trust her more, I love her, and the more that happens, the more I open up, the more that I say, here's everything, here's everything. I'm pouring it all out to you today because I couldn't then, I didn't really know. I was a little hesitant, I was scared. But as I trust, I opened up, trust With all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding. In my marriage, I trust and I pour it all out and I say, Mindy, I need your help. Ten years ago, I didn't need your help. Today, I need your help. Why? Because I'm opening it all up. I'm pouring it all out. I'm trusting more. It's the same thing in our walk with God. The more that we know him, the more that we not forget the law, but let it Thine heart keep my commandments. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. What? Write them upon the table. The more that I'm poured out into that, the more that I'm trusting him, the more that I lay it all out and I say, God, I'm surrendering everything. It's not about my understanding. I recognize because I saw you, my understanding is really little. But God, I want to pour it out. I want to, I want to lay it all at your feet trusting in you in all thine heart or with all mine heart in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths some of your bibles may say in all thy ways submit it's knowing it's submission it's all of those things and he will guide us he will direct us he will be the one i love this statement he that stands with one foot on a rock And another foot upon a quicksand will sink and perish as certainly as he that stands with both feet on quicksand. Would we surrender it all? Isaiah stood before God and said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because he realized God saw all of his junk. Listen, I don't have to tell you this. God sees all your stuff. All of it. So why am I keeping it from him? He already knows it. He just wants us to say, God, here it is. I, I need you. I need you. I want to close with this passage of scripture in Psalm chapter 25. In Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5, I guess this would be a prayer that I would say maybe leave with you. But it says this, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. I wonder if as we close out today, looking at surrender with a very practical thought as we close to say, God, I, uh, I don't want to forget. God, I want to keep your word. I want to keep your commandments in my heart. I'm asking you to engrave. Would you write them on my heart? I want to trust in you. I want to lean and lay it all out for you. And in that, I'm going to ask you, would you show me your ways? Would you teach me your paths? Would you lead me in your truth? For God, you are the God of my salvation. And I just want to cry out to say, God, would you show me these things? That my life would be, I would lead my life, I would follow you in my life in surrender to you. I wonder today if there's anybody that would say, Pastor, you talked about this image of God and Isaiah surrendering because of God seeing his sin. And I would ask you today if there's anybody here, maybe as you're listening and you're thinking, There's never been a time of surrender. There's never been a time of thinking that God knows all of the junk. And maybe today would be a day that you would say, Pastor Aaron, I 
there's never been a moment where I've asked, I've surrendered my life to ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. And maybe today you would say, I need a Savior. Maybe today you would be one that is walking. You know God. There's not a doubt in your mind that you know the Lord, but you're where I have been countless times where I've just kind of forgotten it. And I, well, I made a decision a long time ago. And it's just kind of stepping back to say, I need to surrender today, daily, moment by moment. And based on that surrender, I can experience that peace of being exactly where I'm supposed to be. I can experience that comfort. I can experience walking in obedience to the commands of God. But without the surrender of moment by moment, these other things are a struggle. And it leads me to forget all of the goodness. And so maybe today you would be as a believer just in that situation saying, God, would you help me? Would you lead me? Would you, as that passage says, show me? Would you teach me? Because you are my salvation. I want to thank you again for joining us today. We pray that the service has been an encouragement and a blessing to you. Here at Oasis, we have a desire to walk alongside of you, to be a partner in your walk with the Lord. So if you have made any decision today, we would love to celebrate and pray with you. So if you can please do us a favor and fill out a connect form or text decision to the number provided below. Oasis is supported by faithful people like you. So if you have a desire to give to the mission and ministry of Oasis, you can text give to the number provided below. Click on the give link or mail in your gift to the church office. Lastly, we have a desire to pray for you. So if you have a prayer request, you can email us at prayer at oasislv.church. Church, as we saw today and will continue to see, living in the fear of God empowers us to choose purpose and it helps us surrender to the Lord. It causes us to live a disciplined life, leaving a godly legacy. So let's go and leave a legacy of a passionate follower of Christ.